This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Coming up on today's future award-winning Analytics podcast, I got a double hitter for you. First up, I got WKBW-TV Channel 7 news anchor Ashley Rowe, a very rare non-sports media interview. We talk about her life and her career, and I'll tell you what, Ashley's a very impressive person, couldn't be nicer, very fun interview. Right after that, I got my buddy Joe on for another segment of The Running With Joe. Today, we're talking Terry Bagula and his Sabres ownership, fan frustration and protesting, and then we take a drive down the Hot Take Highway, and I get after a local sports writer that I flat out don't like, and I've had enough of. I'll have both those interviews for you in just a minute. Before that, I want to let you know that today's episode is being supported by 26 Shirts. Over at 26 Shirts, a different Buffalo-themed design t-shirt is sold every two weeks, and then it's gone. Here's the best part. For every single shirt that they sell, a donation is made to that specific campaign each and every time. Since 2013, when launching their designs, have managed to raise and donate several hundred thousand dollars. It's just absolutely unbelievable. Del Reed, his crew, they do such an amazing job. It's great to see. Not to mention, these shirts are outstanding looking design shirts. They're comfortable, sporty to wear. They look great on you. I have plenty of them myself. Head on over to 26shirts.com and see what cause needs you this week. And on that note, let's do the pod. Let's do it. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Analytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. What is going on, everybody? Happy Valentine's Day if you celebrate today. Episode 195, Moranalytics Podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening, for downloading the show. Literally don't want to waste any time here at the top because I got a packed episode for you. I got two interviews for you. First up, Ashley Rowe, news anchor at Channel 7 in Buffalo. And I was very impressed with her. That was the first time that I've ever had an opportunity to speak with Ashley. And she's awesome. You're really going to enjoy this one. And then immediately after that, I got my buddy Joe on, recurring guest, and we do our Running With Joe segment. And I'll tell you, Joe's been on the show many times. This might be one of the more heated segments we've ever had. Not at each other, but just a lot of takes today, man. Really got after the Buffalo Sabres and John World, AP sports writer. I got issues with him. I let it out today. I've been really nice to people on this podcast, especially sports media people, because there's no benefit to me throwing shade at others, but just couldn't take it anymore. So I unloaded on that. You're going to want to listen. 
Again, not going to waste any time. Let's get right down to business. First up, here it is right now, my interview with Ashley Rowe. All right, my guest today is a very popular and talented news anchor at WKBW-TV Channel 7 in Buffalo, Ashley Rowe. What's going on, Ashley? Thanks for taking time to do this podcast today. How you doing? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited. I'm very excited to have you on the podcast today, Ashley. And I'll tell you, it's not often where I get the opportunity to talk to news anchors. Usually I have sports media people on the podcast. So definitely a little something different with this interview. And again, I'm uh, pumped to talk to you today. But I want to keep the same format that I always have with my guests, and that's kind of giving fans an opportunity to learn more about yourself beyond just the work that you do and beyond just seeing you on the television doing the newscast all the time. So kind of let's go back to the beginning. Now, you are born and raised in Ontario, Canada, correct? Yeah, so I was I was raised in Ontario, born actually in um, California. My parents were working out in Los Angeles when my sister and I were born, but then they decided to move back to Canada. So grew up in Toronto, started my career in Toronto, and then moved to Buffalo in January of 2016. It's kind of crazy to think that it's been more than four years now since I've moved here. Now, growing up in Ontario, that means that you had access to the Buffalo TV stations as well, correct? Oh, yeah. So anybody pretty much in, in the greater Toronto area has access to the ABC station. And so I was able to watch a lot of the shows. You know, the majority of people back home who see me on TV still, the reason why they see me is because they see my little promos that I do in between watching The Bachelor. So people are still watching the ABC show, mostly <laughs> The Bachelor. But <laughs> That's cool. Now, I also read that journalism kind of is in your DNA. Your grandfather was a journalist and your father was a well-known Canadian documentary filmmaker. What's that all about? Yeah. You know, I think storytelling is in my blood. I don't know if that's a total cliche, but um, my grandfather was a reporter with a newspaper in Toronto and he also, he was the editor of the travel section as well. So he got to go and, and meet people from all different cultures from all over the world and bring those stories back to the readers of his newspaper. And then that sort of inspired my dad to get into storytelling as well. He's, he's a documentary filmmaker as well as just a feature filmmaker. So he, you know, kind of imparted that love for storytelling on me as well. And yeah. And so I got to, I had a pretty cool upbringing because I got to watch my grandfather and my father both at work trying to, you know, take this very complex story and, and, bring it down to, uh, you know, a level where everybody can watch it and, and to turn, you know, pictures into this beautiful production of, of television or take a bunch of different quotes and whatever and turn it into a really cool story. So I guess that's sort of how I got my start in, in this wacky world of journalism. Do you remember like when that TV news broadcaster bug first might have bit you for some people is very young? For some, it's not into high school, even college, or sometimes even after that. Can you remember specifically when you were sitting around one day, whether it was watching your father, your grandfather, or just watching somebody on the news or something and saying, you know what, man, I'd like to, I'd like to grow up. I'd like to do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do. I remember watching, there's a gal by the name of Caroline McKenzie who's still working in, in Toronto. She's a morning show anchor out there. And I just looked at her and I was like, 
I want to do what she's doing. That looks like a lot of fun. There's something pretty mysterious about TV before you get into it and you realize that it's not all glamorous, like, you know, you kind of assume. But I remember watching her and, and watching the way that she was able to tell stories and, and interact with her reporters and her co-anchor and her meteorologist. And I just thought to myself, man, that looks like a lot of fun. I want in. And so I didn't originally go to school for it, but it was always sort of in the back of my mind. And yeah. And then I went to school for business marketing, realized I'm friggin' terrible at math and just <laughs> overall analyzing balance sheets. So I got out of that and then there just so happened to be a really great um, journalism program at my school. So jumped over there, did that. And before I graduated, I was working. So I got really lucky. Before I start talking about like your career, let's go back a little bit to when you were even younger being a kid. Besides TV news and broadcasting, like what were some of the hobbies that you enjoyed doing as a kid? Were you into playing sports, theater, music? What did you like doing when you were young? So I was really into music. I was a total music geek. I was in a bunch of choirs growing up and I was never much of an athlete. I know I'm on a sports podcast, so that's probably not a cool thing for me to say, but <laughs> I, <laughs> <You're good. laughs> I am just not coordinated whatsoever. Got cut from my grade six basketball, you know, tryouts and then, um, not very coordinated at, at dance either. So I couldn't do the splits when I was, you know, six years old and my mom put me in ballet. So I quit that. The thing that really stuck with me was theater and music. So I went to a musical theater school and really nerded out and geeked out on choirs and chamber choir and then jazz choir. And I was in a couple of musical theater shows for high school. And then I actually went on tour with an Ontario youth choir. Oh, wow. um, so yeah, yeah. So kind of performing has always been something that I've been doing well before the world of television broadcasting came in. I'm kind of weaving in and out of your career a little bit here. Do you think that when you're younger, being in theater and being in choir and performing in front of other people, that helped make it easier for you to transition? You know, when you start doing news and you're in front of a camera, being used to performing, did, do you think that helped you when you would become an adult? I think so, right? It's a, it's a muscle that you can flex is just being comfortable speaking to strangers, performing, um, getting up on stage with the bright lights on you. And that can be really intimidating at first. So when you can kind of get those jitters out of the way for, the, for a big part of that, when you're young, it's sort of like playing a sport, right? When you can get so good at a sport throughout high school and when you're a kid that, that then the mechanics of it are kind of you know, you can, you can get away from that and you can focus on just developing your skills later on. That's sort of how I feel it was with me. When it came time to make a college decision, what were a couple of schools that you considered going to? And ultimately, where did you end up going for college? So I went to a school that probably none of your listeners know of. It's called the University of Western Ontario. It's in London, Ontario, which is about two hours away from Buffalo, uh, two hours away from Toronto as well. It's an awesome school. It's a big school, about 40,000 people. Um, and I still am pretty involved with it. So it, it was a pretty quick decision for me. My mother went to Western and the way that it is at Western is the same way that it is with a lot of American colleges. 
where it's like, if you've got family that has gone to that college, there's a good chance you're going to be going, or at oh, least sure. you're going to get that heavy handed suggestion, like wink, wink, you can <laughs> pick and choose where you want to go, but not really. You're going to go where I went, you know, right. that's exactly what happened with me. And it <laughs> is awesome. I still, as I said, I'm still really involved with my, with my old college. Now after school, you worked at a station in Hamilton for a little more than a year, and then you spent over four years working as a reporter and anchor in Toronto. Let me ask you this. What was the process like for you being on TV? How long did it take you when you decided that this was what you wanted to do and this is what you were working towards? How long did it take you to kind of get used to being on TV and being a news person? I started in radio, actually. Um, You know, I got really lucky. I worked really hard in, in college. And one of the opportunities that I had was with an affiliate college that I was with. They asked me to go to the Vancouver Olympics to do radio stories on things that were going on in Vancouver for the Olympics. Oh wow! And so, so here I am in my last year of college with no real experience except for, you know, my, my college radio station and some volunteer work that I had done, that sort of thing. Here I am getting flown to Vancouver to do radio stories for stations across the country. So that, that was the foundation for my, my whole career. And while I was there, it was right around the time that the iPhone and all of that smartphone stuff was coming out. And so I was recording not just radio stuff, but I was also like, Hey, I'm, I've got this cool video camera on my phone. This is new. So I'm going to start recording videos as well. And I posted those on YouTube and I wound up getting a call from a television station in Hamilton, Ontario saying, Hey, we saw what you were doing in Vancouver. We liked what you were doing. Can you come in? We'd like to hire you as a part-time writer. Oh, and wow. so that was pretty cool. Yeah. And so I went over there, did my interview. Um, and, and it was St. Patrick's day weekend. I'll never forget it. Cause I was like so choked because St. Patrick's day is one of my favorite holidays. So I was like, Oh no, I'm not going to be able to celebrate <laughs> St. Patrick's day with my friends, but whatever. It all worked out. And, um, yeah, so that's what, that's what sort of set everything off. And then I was writing for them and then all of a sudden they needed a reporter to go out and cover uh, the opening of a local ice cream shop, <laughs> which was a big deal. So I went with a camera person and I went behind the counter and I was scooping different flavors of ice cream. And I did, you know, these, these live shots for the morning show. And that's what started my world of reporting. That's so crazy. I often will tell people, yeah, the Olympics and ice cream is what kicked off my career. Did you enjoy doing radio? I didn't know that until you just started talking about that. I remember when I had Mary Alice Demler on, it was kind of similar with her. Her career actually started in radio before television as well. How did you feel about radio? Oh, I loved it. Yeah, I really liked it. Well, first of all, I didn't have to spend, you know, half an hour putting makeup on my face, which is awesome. (laughs) But I really liked it. You know, radio, this is sort of inside baseball, but radio does a really great job of teaching you how to paint pictures for people in concise ways and to describe what's going on and to tell stories in really short ways. Cause you don't have a minute and 30 seconds or two minutes and 30 seconds. Like you do in TV, you have 45 seconds at most to get a story out there and to explain the situation, you know? And so that's what taught me how to write and to write stories. Um, I sort of miss radio to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. I read in 2014 you were working in Toronto, but you came to Buffalo to cover the blizzard that was going on in 2014, correct? I did. What an experience that was. Yeah, I was going to ask you, I, what I, were your first impressions? Was that your first time in Buffalo during the blizzard? 
it wasn't my first time in Buffalo. Every Black Friday, I would come to the Warning oh, Galleria to okay. cover Black Friday. Um, but it was my first time covering a news story the way that I did, which was in a helicopter. So I flew over the pretty much the whole region. I went, you know, we were able to, in a short amount of time, fly over Cheektowaga and Lackawanna and, and get a pretty, you know, great aerial view of how the different communities were impacted, right? Because we know that with lake effect snow, not all communities had the same amount of snow right, on them, right? right? So yep. we flew over Cheektowaga and uh, I think it was Cheektowaga and we saw so much snow and, and I don't know where it was, but at one point when we were flying over, I saw people on their roofs shoveling off mm-hmm. snow so that their roofs don't, didn't collapse. Yeah. I saw people who were on sleds, you know, trying to get from one area to the next. I mean, it was, it was, really something else. And then flying over what was at the time Ralph Wilson stadium was something else too. Like it just, it didn't even look like a stadium. It was just covered in white. So yeah, that was really, really wild. And then little did I know a year later I would be moving to Buffalo. And that's what I wanted to ask you next about the opportunity. How did that come about at WKBW early 2016? Was it an easier, was it a difficult decision to go to Buffalo? How did that process play out? So I, I don't know if I've actually told that many people this. When I first got a call about a potential job offer in Buffalo, it was in the summer and I was really not all that interested. I mean, I was like, I, I've been to the Walden Gallery. I'm good. I, mm-hmm. I, I've had Anchor Bar Chicken Wings. I'm good. <laughs> um, and then I came back for, for an interview in the fall. I was blown away by how much I didn't know about the community here, about the beautiful pockets of this city, about just the, the overall uh, beauty that is Western New York. And I remember driving back to Toronto and seeing the Toronto skyline. And I called my mom and I said, mom, this is way more than I thought it was. I got to move here. And so that's what began, you know, and, and it was once I got here and once I really toured around and, and understood what the city was about and, and the, the resurgence here and the grit that people show, it was magnetic to me. All right, let's take a quick break. For nearly two decades, Audimute has set the standard for providing cutting edge acoustic treatments for recording and sound environments. From your home studio to commercial settings such as the office, restaurants, gyms, and auditoriums. Audimute is the best sound treatment company out there, and that's because they refuse to compromise on the quality of their products and service ever. Easy, green, and affordable. My home studio has Audimute acoustic panels all over, and the difference has literally been night and day. Look, don't just throw up foam on your walls that you could get real cheap from Amazon. Decide it looks pretty and call it a day. Visit Audimute.com for info and deals, including a free room analysis form and the ability to speak with an acoustic specialist. Do your sound and the people who hear it a very big service. Visit Audimute.com. Now, obviously, you saw Buffalo in a different light at that time as opposed to when you were there in 2014 to cover a literal blizzard. But maybe even going back to 2014, one thing I remember, because I was still in Buffalo at the time. I moved down here to Florida a couple of years after that, but people in Buffalo, if nothing else, they had that attitude. You're in it together. You know what I mean? People are there to help and it's just a grind. And you said that word grit. 
which really describes Buffalo, especially when something like a blizzard, you got people out there helping each other, 75 year old guys helping shovel you out next door, things like that. You know what I mean? I think you kind of, maybe that was your first glimpse because like you said, you came to Buffalo for black Friday shopping before that, but to see the city in action after a blizzard, I mean, actually at the time you were there, probably people were You're stuck right in there. their house, but you know what I'm saying? But just about that Buffalo attitude that as you got to know the city, like you said, when you came back for an interview, Maybe that first impression stuck in your mind a little bit as well. I think you're right. And, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head when you said that we're in it together here. It is the most endearing and heartwarming thing to hear that, you know, I was in Houston for the, for the Bills game, for the wildcard game this year, and they lost in that heartbreaking fashion and, and all of us were crushed. But yeah. to hear from my colleagues that were in Buffalo, that there was still going to be a welcome party for the Bills when they landed at the airport. And so many people came out to show their support and their appreciation for the team. That is just the complete definition of we're in this together. And I just, I, I have chills right now as I talk about it because it's, there aren't a lot of cities that have that. Right. Absolutely not. Like I said, I'm down here in Tampa. They win or lose. Nobody cares. At least about the football team. Maybe the hockey team's different story, but yeah. (laughs) Buffalo fans definitely are like very few others, if any others, when it comes to sports. Now, you're a news anchor. Obviously, you don't do a ton of sports, but I have seen some of your, you do occasional stories that tie into sports. I kind of want to hit on two of them quickly. One of them, and I saw this before, was a sit-down interview you had with Kim Bagula. I remember watching that. What was your impression of Kim? The Bagulas are like completely polarizing figures right now for Buffalo sports fans. Bills fans adore them. Sabres fans, maybe not so much right now because they're extremely frustrated with the organization and just what some fans feel like is a lack of change, that there needs to be changes made. And they're not there to answer fans right now, so they're kind of pissed off about that. But Yeah, I've had the chance now twice to sit down with Kim. She, and I've never met Terry, so I'll put that caveat out there. But my experience and my impressions of Kim Pagula are that she is somebody who deeply cares for her staff and her players and the teams. Yeah. And I know that that might be an unpopular thing to say with the Sabres not performing in a very good way right now. Right. But she does deeply care. And I think that she and Terry are just trying to figure out what it means to be owners and, and how involved they should be in the decision-making process, how involved they should be throughout the season with the stuff, you know, the, the, the on the ground stuff versus the back behind the scenes stuff. And it's, it seems to me like it's a real work in progress. Like, I don't think they've figured it out yet. Yeah. Um, it's also hard for both of them because, well, particularly with Terry, right? He's a fan. And, and I, and I think that it's difficult to separate your fandom from being an owner and a, and a business person. I think over time they, they've done, you know, a better job. You've seen the way that they've handled coach McDermott and Brandon Bean and the way that they've handled that the whole front office of the bills. I can't speak for what's gone on with the Sabres, but to me, that seems like they've, they learned from the past with Doug Whaley, et cetera. And they, they figured out, okay, here's how we need to, to let them do their jobs. So she's somebody that cares deeply. And she's a, she, to me, she seems like she might be a pretty cool boss. Like I know there was a time, at least when I was interviewing her, she leaves uh, she leaves Swedish fish, her favorite candy in a jar in her office, like all the time. Cause she wants people to, you know, to have some and whatever. And, and she seems just like a kind of a cool person overall, like before every 
home game or before most games with the Bills, she bakes cookies because she it doesn't know how to handle her own nerves. So baking is the easiest way to do that. Like, you know, that's, that's very human and real to me. And I think that that authenticity speaks volumes to me, however you feel about the teams and their performances. Yeah, absolutely. I got another sports thing for you. I should have said this too. I got to preface this, okay? Now, I, I live in Florida, but I am very much in tune with what's going on in Buffalo with the media and the news. My, I use my brother's slingshots and I can always connect in. So I probably watch the Buffalo local news more than I watch Florida news. So I'm constantly watching all you guys on the air. And last year when the Toronto Raptors made their NBA championship run in the finals, I saw you do some of the reports that you and Matt Bovey did live from Toronto during the finals. Was that really cool for you that that moment to be able to go back to Toronto and report for a Buffalo station while the Raptors, well, ultimately they did win the NBA finals. That, that seemed like you were having a really good time with that. It was incredible. It was really incredible. And Matt is such a great colleague and partner to have in those moments. It was thrilling to be back in Toronto for that. And just to see the, the way that the fans, the fans kind of reminded me of Bill's fans, you know, the way that they were just so, so excited sure. and would, would drop anything to make sure that they were outside of the arena for that game or whatever. It was, it was really <laughs> It was a very special time, and, and I watched the best basketball I could ever ask to watch. So, you know, the Golden State Warriors versus the Toronto Raptors. I mean, what, do you, what more do you want? Yeah. So that was pretty cool. And, um, hey, I was at a game on Saturday, and they won, and they did well with missing, like, three of their starters. So you never know. Maybe we could have a repeat. No, they're still good for sure. I thought losing Kawhi Leonard, that would have been – the end of them is any type of contender to share, but that's not the case at all. They're right back in it in the thick of the Eastern Conference for sure. Let's circle back to your job a little bit. This is a question that I like to ask anybody from local national media that is on TV, that's on the news. What would you consider your favorite part of your job? And conversely, I don't want to say your least favorite, but maybe the toughest part that the average fan who's watching you on TV, maybe they don't realize it. I think, well, my favorite part of the job, and this is the reason why I got into it in the first place, is I just really like to help people. And I get to do that. People reach out to us and they tell us about the, the terrible things that they're going through and, and some hardship that they're facing and the injustices that they're facing. And we get to try to use our platform to get them answers or to get them help. And that's what drives me every day. So the, the, the most challenging thing about it, I think, is that in this day and age, social media has, has just taken such a huge bite out of objectivity and balanced consumption. And, uh, you know, the echo chamber effect is, is quite, I think, damaging to us as humanity. Um, so I think that that's probably the hardest thing is to make sure that, that people are really you know, looking at not just the, the, what, pe what their followers are saying or the people that they follow are saying, but that they are really seeking out a balanced delivery of, of the news. I was going to ask you that next, your take on social media, because on one hand, it does present you an opportunity to connect with your audience and your fans, maybe on a more personal level than at least before Twitter, at least in some ways anyway. And obviously you could get stories out there for the world instantly to consume, but there's also, besides what you said, there's a very ugly side to Twitter as well with trolls and just people are just mean and 
They want to incite reactions from celebrities and sportscasters and newscasters, athletes, anyone like that. How do you combat that at times? Because I'm sure you've seen a lot and people handle it differently. I know a lot of sports media people I talk to, they mute people, they block people, or they just, or they blow it off and then they don't let it get under their skin. And then conversely, I see people out there from the media that are literally fighting with fans on a, on a daily basis, which is kind of like giving the trolls what they want. What's your stance on all that? Yeah, my stance is firstly, don't feed the trolls. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that Twitter has done some good things, but I find it can be a really, really ugly place. And so I often will stay off of it, especially when the, when there's a big national story out there that would you, you can kind of tell is one that would incite those those really bold and and mean tweets. I, I, yeah, I, I struggle with Twitter a lot. I think if I was not in the business of communicating and not in the right. business of content delivering and, and creation, I don't know if I'd be on Twitter. Yeah. I hope that we can find a new platform. And I, and I think that Instagram does, does kind of soothe my, my frustrations with Twitter. Um, cause it's more pictures focused and often more, more there, you see more, pleasant things on there. Um, but yeah, I, I hope that there's going to one day be a time when Twitter just doesn't do what it is currently doing, which is just dividing people. But I will say it also does in some cases, it does allow for that, that communication and that flow of, of conversation that I may not be able to get otherwise. You know, I was having a good conversation about bail reform the other day and, and it, I was able to communicate with people who I otherwise might not have been able to. So there is, there is some productivity there, but I'll tell you, I've got a really mixed feelings about it. I struggle with it big time too. And I know I need it. You know, I have a podcast. If I didn't have Twitter, forget about it. I wouldn't, wouldn't even bother having it because it's a very effective tool, you know, to promote and to get people to listen. But at the same token, just Twitter and all social media for the, for that, it's just, it's really tough because you, you notice when you're at restaurants, and I'm sure you notice it sometimes, and I'm sure you're guilty of it once in a while. I, I damn sure know that I am too. You're sitting, I, you go to a restaurant and look at a table and people are not even talking to each other. They're on their phones. You know what I mean? And yeah, it's, uh, exactly. It's, it's just, a, it's a different world now. And I really do struggle with that a lot. Now you've made Western New York. And I, and I think go that, ahead. go ahead. Oh no, I was just going to say, you know, I think that people are not that unkind as, as Twitter might suggest they are right. I think really at the end of the day, we just, we just want to connect with each other and we, we want to be good to one another, but for whatever reason, Twitter just does not bring out the best in a lot of people. Sometimes it does. And for, for those times I, I love it, but we've talked about it. Not always does it do that. No, you definitely see a lot more of ugliness right in front of your face, right in front of your eyes because of social media. And it's, it's just the way it is, but it, you know, people it's, easier to be critical if I'm a critic or I'm a hater and I don't like Ashley Rowe and I don't like Ashley Rowe's newscasting I could sit there it's easier for me well maybe not easier but I feel like people just do it maybe in part because there's less consequence to it what's really happening to people who are sitting there with phony names or whatever um burner accounts on Twitter with their fingers typing on a keyboard saying the nastiest things possible. You know what I mean? It's just, it just feels like there's no real consequence to it. And that's the part about it that I really, truly hate. Yeah, exactly. 
Well, anyway, let's talk about happier stuff. So you've made Western New York your home. <laughs> you've made Western New York your home. You're married now. By the way, I also remember this going back to, I think it was 2018 you got married, correct? I remember That's seeing. Right. Good I, I remember seeing a video, some highlights on YouTube at the end of a, a newscast. I thought it was beautiful. It was awesome. But anyway, congratulations, obviously, on that. What What are your thoughts? Now this is your home. You're one of us. I mean, I'm not in Buffalo right now, but I still feel like, you know, one of us. And what are some things that you love doing away from the news station now that you are in Western New York? I'm going to talk about wings in a second, but not counting any kind of wings or anything like that. <laughs> what, are some, what are some things that you like doing away from news? Well, speaking of food, I do love going out to some of the restaurants. There's so many new restaurants that pop up all the time. So it's fun to to check those out. I spend um, every week I, I do volunteering with Meals on Wheels. That's become a, a really uh, big part of my week. Uh, it's one of my favorite parts of my week, honestly. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so I do that every week. And I've got two dogs. I've got a, an 11-month-old Great Dane who's over 100 pounds. So he takes up a lot of my time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. Um, yeah. So, you know what, it's just, it's just getting to spend time with the people in the communities that I've been able to really attach myself to and, and draw myself into since I've moved here, I've been able to make some really awesome friends. And so it's really just about hanging out with them. Um, but yeah, there's just so much new stuff to explore and check out and, and get excited about. So I spend a lot of time doing that. I got to ask you. It's really fun bringing people here because I get to like bringing people from Toronto who may not have been to Buffalo before, maybe who were in Buffalo 15, 20 years ago, but haven't been back. And it's really cool to be able to show them that things like the Hotel Henry and some of the new restaurants and just show them Canal Side, obviously, but, but not limited to that. There's so much. As somebody who's actually lived in Buffalo and Toronto, because I don't know a bunch of people who've actually lived in both. It's one thing to have that you know, Maple Leaf Sabres sports rivalry with the fans, but as somebody who's lived in both places, what would you say are one or two of the biggest differences and the biggest similarities between the two cities? Well, I tell people often it's apples and oranges. They're just two really different cities uh, altogether, but there's um, a great commonality in the people. Um, the, the, the kindness, the time that people will take, you know, Buffalo is known for being a very friendly city. Let's say Toronto is also known for being a very friendly city as well. Sure. Um, people want to help each other out. People want to see each other succeed. And so that's something that I see as a great parallel between the two cities. Um, you know, I think the, the thing that I would love to see more of is that there are more people from Buffalo who can check out Toronto and, and vice versa, more people from Toronto who check out Buffalo because there's, there are certain things in both cities that, you know, that, that either one can't offer and so, or just aren't offering. And so to be able to have those offerings within a 90 minute drive is really special. So I often joke that, like, I think that Toronto and Western New York, what I call the greater golden horseshoe is just one big region. And if you can think of it that way, if you can get over the border, you know, it's, it's, really cool to have all the access to culture, restaurants, history. I mean, the architecture in Buffalo is amazing. Uh, the, so all of that right at your fingertips. Yeah. I got to ask you this question. I always ask every guest I ever have. Are, are you a wing person? Are you a wing girl? Do you like chicken wings when you're in Buffalo? Not everybody does. I, you, you would think that, but that's I'm gonna not be honest the case. With you, I don't eat that. I don't eat wings that often. Don't no. eat wings that often. Uh, mostly when people come into town to visit, I am a huge pizza person. Yeah. So that's my jam. 
I'll right. take pizza over wings any day. All right. Well, instead of asking you for your favorite wing spots, I'll uh, I'll flip the switch a little bit. Like one or one or two of your favorite uh, spots to get a good pizza in Buffalo. I'm Mr. Pizza all day. Oh my Big god! Between that's the best. <laughs> an- that might be the best answer I've ever gotten on the history of this podcast. I swear to God, I grew up in Buffalo on the West Side, and to me. Literally, I could ask a hundred people what their favorite pizza is. You're the first person that would agree with me. I it's absolutely oh, Mr. Pizza. Oh, it's so good. You're the, literally yeah, the first person. So oh my good. god! Oh my god! That makes me no so happy. way. I swear to God, you just made you literally just made my day right now. Well, listen now. Now we are like bonded forever. We're mega buddies. Yeah, just through Mr. Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last question here, and then we're gonna wrap up with the mini lightning round. After I gotta ask you, it's the age old advice question. You never know who may be listening to this podcast that you have influence on. I constantly have media people on. For anyone out there who may be interested in having a career in the same field that you've carved out for yourself here in 2020, what's the best advice that you could offer them? Well, the media landscape is changing profoundly. Right. And if you can get good at graphic design and be able to tell stories in really concise, colorful ways that incorporate some, you know, graphic design and and that sort of thing, you are setting yourself apart from a lot of journalists today who don't necessarily have those skill sets. And so I think digital storytelling, digital news presentation is the way that the world is going. And having that skill set is, is really going to help you out in the future. But, you know, this is a total cliche answer. Otherwise, it's just Work your butt off. Yeah. That's a great answer. The graphic yeah. design. All right. So here's what we're going to do. Mini lightning round is how I always wrap up. I'm going to ask you a small handful of random questions. Not a lot of like deep thought required. Whatever the first thing that pops in your mind, kind of rapid fire style will go. Ask it to be your answer. You good? Good. All right. Let's go. Favorite city that you visited. It can't be Buffalo or Toronto because you've lived in both now. Tokyo. So oh, really? You've been to Tokyo. Cool. Oh, yeah. Who was your first celebrity crush? Nick Carter of the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> I saw that they're coming to Buffalo in July, by the way. that's I'm, I'm going to be oh, in Buffalo. I'm so excited. Yeah, so am I. I'll be there. <laughs> What's your uh, go-to snack late at night? Cereal. Okay. What movie have you... Wait, pro- I take that back. Go ahead. What do you I got? I take that back. Toast. Toast? It's toast. Toast. What kind? White bread? Rye bread? Rye bread with butter and peanut butter. Nice. What movie have you probably rewatched more than any other? Goodwill Hunting. Okay. Name a TV game show that you feel like you could potentially dominate, whether it's current or a past game show. If you were on it, you feel like you'd have a really good chance to win. Family Feud. Last couple here. So instead of doing this podcast interview right now, you're at the station. I'm down here in Florida. Let's pretend we're at a club right now that's got karaoke going on. All right. And in in this world, Ashley Rose, the, the best singer in the bar. Everybody loves her. You grab the mic. What song are you going to sing that's going to get the crowd going, singing along to you? Like, what would be, if you don't have one, what would be your signature karaoke song? Listen your own mind anyway. Ooh, that's a great question. <laughs> I think I'm going to go with Ain't It Fun by Paramore. Oh, okay. That's a good one. Totally random, but such Very a good random. sing-along song. Very random. I like it. If you had never gotten involved in this industry in any fashion, or if you just gave it a shot and it never worked out for you, what do you think you might be doing right now with your life? I'd want to be a hospital nurse. Hospital nurse? Oh, that's really cool. All right, I, normally, I have 
two here at the end, but I'm going to skip this one. I was going to ask you who your favorite Twitter follow is, but I think we've kind of established you're on Twitter because you got to be on Twitter. I don't really think that in a, in a perfect world, you wouldn't have any Twitter followers and you wouldn't be following anybody either. If it was an even yeah. playing field and every, if it was the same for everybody, I think Ashley Rowe would say no Twitter. So let's skip that one. Yeah. I want to get right to the last one. So you could have three dinner guests from any era, dead or alive, any time in history. Three people at your dinner table tonight, some good eats, maybe a drink or two, whatever, have a good conversation. Who you got? Michelle Obama. Okay. Elvis Presley. Elvis? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Billie Holiday. Nice. I don't know what we, I, don't, I have no idea what we talk about, but I don't know. Probably be pretty interesting. <laughs> Just wing again. it, man. Just wing it. <laughs> Everyone out there, give Ashley a follow on Twitter, at Ashley Road WKBW. Of course, check her out. Always on the air, Channel 7 in Buffalo. Thanks so much. This was fun, man. I really appreciate you. And yeah, that Mr. Pizza comment, you won me over. If you didn't already have me one over, that won me over forever. <laughs> well, next time you're in town, we'll have, we'll split some pizza. How about that? That interview was brought to you by Pulse Cellular. Today's lifestyle demands the best in wireless. And with Pulse Cellular, you have the best options available. Whether you're going with Verizon, AT&T, Sprint, T-Mobile, doesn't matter what you're using currently. You can switch to Pulse Cellular, get unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data coast-to-coast with no contracts, no credit checks, and no overage fees. One line for $65, or you can get four lines for just $45 each. Wow. And by the way, that also includes hotspot, Wi-Fi calling, and up to 50 gigs per line. For all you travelers out there, Pulse has you covered in Canada and Mexico. Plus. Text and data in over 210 countries worldwide, all with the best phones. Or you could also bring your own phone. That's pretty awesome. Get the best user experience on mobile at PulseCellular.com. All right, running with Joe, my man Joe from New York City. Buffalo Winds on Twitter. What's going on? Dude, you know what? I was going to say something about you being like this hot take thing on Twitter, but I'm also friends with you on Facebook and you're kind of like mellow on Facebook. Me and you are the complete opposite. Like I'm really stupid on Facebook, but I'm much more mellow and politically correct on Twitter. You're the complete opposite. You say the nicest things to people on Facebook and then on Twitter is when you let all your stuff go, when you let it fly. Well, on Facebook, I don't really say anything at all. I usually just post like we're on eating at and then... I'll say happy birthday to whoever the person is, his birthday is today. The reason is it's simple. I have people that I work with on Facebook who are my friends, like my Facebook friends. It's, it's relatives, like people who I went to school with, you know, your regular friends, but the majority, at least like I would say 300 are people who work in the television industry, which is where I work in. So I am not going to even remotely post anything like I normally do as Mr. Hot take guy on Twitter on my Facebook because of who I have as followers. Cause these are people who are going to hire me. So if I'm yelling about, I don't know, rock and Waro or Dwayne or how much I hate Trump, this could affect me on Facebook with some people and be like, Hey, this guy is irrational. I don't want to hire him. Whereas on Twitter, 
I'm kind of incognito. We've talked about this before because you've wanted to use my last name before, which I do not want you to use. You let me. And, I do. I did it once, and that was the end of that. Yeah, that was the end of that. I was like, <laughs> you know what? I don't. I, my name sucks. You don't want to do that. And then on Twitter, I it's mostly everyone that follows me is basically in the Buffalo sports spectrum. You know where I don't care what they think. Like if I had my my. If I had, I think one time I had one of my old bosses follow me on Twitter and I did the block unmute thing, uh, to them where, or not, what is it? No, it's, it's, I block them and unblock them. So they don't, they don't think that that's like the trick. So you can get someone to unfollow you. Yeah, I hear you, man. It's the complete, now your theory is right, but for me, it's still the complete opposite on Facebook. Same kind of deal. I got all family and friends, but they know I'm an idiot. They don't give a shit what I say. And I say whatever I want to say because they already know who I am. Plus they're not really my, my podcast you would think family and friends are the ones who listen to the podcast that's not true it's mainly sports fans and buffalo sports fans that's why kind of on twitter i gotta be a little more politically correct with what i say sometimes i let something slide that maybe on facebook yeah, i wouldn't twitter's twitter's your business because yeah. you don't want to like start swearing i don't know if you're bad mouthing let's just say you're like trashing someone well, i did i did i did today and we're going to talk about that in a few we'll minutes talk about that yeah but if you did that then they might be like maybe their boss would be like, don't go on his podcast. He, he trashed us. You know right. what I mean? Whereas on Facebook, I don't think Josh Barnett's your friend on Facebook. Maybe. I mean, maybe he is who the hell knows, but like, you know, it's different. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're, you're popular on both platforms, I guess. But, uh, I, I only have, I only have like 10 or 12 friends from Twitter to Facebook, you know, that, uh, that I never knew before, but I knew, I know now because of Twitter, you know, sometimes I'll right. find you on and then like, yeah, like you, like, I didn't know who the hell you were until you got on Twitter and then we became Facebook friends. And I, you know, I, unfo- I, I, I took you off my feed because I didn't want to hear about your chicken wing takes anymore on Facebook. <laughs> no, I don't blame you. But anyway, I, I agree with that too. Like on Twitter, there's very few sports media people that follow me on Twitter that I've talked to semi-regularly that are actually Facebook friends of mine too. For that same reason, like you kind of said with people with your work, I don't want them seeing some of the ridiculous shit that I'm prone to say on Facebook at times. You know, but anyway, my point was, is like, you are mellow on Facebook and it's, you let your, your opinions fly on the Twitter. And I I don't, and I'm only, the only reason why I'm on Facebook is there, because I'm a freelancer in in TV. There's a bunch of different Facebook pages that have freelance TV jobs. And that's the only reason why I'm on there is for job postings. Cause they, weirdly enough, they don't go through like your standard monster or hot, hot jobs or LinkedIn. They all they post stuff on Facebook pages of like, like New York TV people. And then people will post jobs on that page and I, you to apply to them. That's the only reason why I'm on Facebook. I don't really care for Facebook. I don't care about your pictures of your significant others or, you know, I, I don't care about your takes or anything like that. I just, I, I just kind of like, uh, I don't take pictures of myself. I hate doing that. If you ever see a picture of myself, even though, I am the Shama of sexy and I'm a sexy beast. I don't like taking <laughs> pictures of myself. I under, I totally understand the reason. Like I said, it's TV. Speaking of TV, by the way, you're following up Ashley Rowe. You didn't hear it yet. You'll hear it when the podcast drops. I uh, spoke with her earlier. Now we're chatting. Very good. And I'll tell you something that was very different about her. I mean, she's from Toronto and lives in Buffalo. Now I've been there at the Buffalo or, uh, Channel 7 News now for what? I think four or five years. She's one of the few people I've talked to that is not a wing person like she doesn't hate wings Good. i know that's why i said you'll appreciate this she actually likes pizza more than wings and furthermore for me she totally won me over won my heart she said mr pizza was her favorite 
That's a place on the west side that I grew up around. It's my favorite place, sure. too. And I've talked to 100 people. And if I ever say, you know, where's your favorite pizza? No one ever says Mr. Pizza. So I actually did, though, man. So that was pretty Two cool. Two things. Two things. One, they're opening an, another Mr. Pizza where Leonardi's used to be on Six Corners on Millersport. Oh, really? So And that that, that just happened. Like, I saw the story like about a day ago. They're putting a Mr. Pizza there. I guess there's three Mr. Pizza locations. I don't know where this, the, you, you mentioned the one on Elmwood or whatever on the West side, but yeah, there's a couple. Yeah. But they're putting one there. And two, I'm not shocked that she loves the pizza here because Canadian pizza sucks. Yeah, it does. It's horrific. <laughs> I remember my friend. It does. It's so bad. My friend used to have a cottage on Crystal Beach. Like his parents did. And we used to go there when we were in high school, beginning of college and, you know, we drink a little bit and, you know, it used to be great to go to Canada at that point because they would have Molson triple X. And that, that, at that time it wasn't in the States. I don't know why there was, I think it was like, illegal to have like super high octane uh, beer in the U S this is like 20 years ago, mind you. So anyway, it was always great to have that. And then I remember getting pizza locally. I forgot where, and it was horrific. And I'm talking like white, cr- like the bottom of the pizza was like totally white like they hardly cooked it on the oven yeah. and then the top of it was like brown. So like they overcooked the top, didn't bother cooking with the bottom and it was terrible. It was, and we had it a couple of times cause you know, you're drinking like what the hell are you going to order at one o'clock in the morning? All right, let's get pizza. And it was terrible. So I'm not shocked that she thinks the pizza is great here because she probably had to live with like horrific pizza in Canada. So, <laughs> you know, sorry, Canada, but you guys got good beer. Or you, you know, you did. And probably a few other things with pizza. Yeah. You got, you got to work on that. I don't even know how to transition into what I want to talk about with you today. That's mainly some Sabres stuff, more specifically Terry Bagula. The owner finally shows up at the Sabres game on Tuesday night. Sabres fans have pretty much been losing their minds because the Bagulas are rarely ever even at a Sabres game, and they literally never make themselves available to the media to speak to the media, you know, kind of be that bridge between the fans and they're pissed off right now. And it's pretty obvious. Not long ago, that dude, Dwayne, called in a WGR, that rant on absentee ownership that went viral on social media. Pretty clearly, Bagula Sports and Entertainment, PSC, they had WGR delete that tweet. Uh, though the rant was never actually pulled from the website. But anyway, dude, listen, nine years, no playoffs. By far, most in the NHL. That's going to do it to any fan base. But right now, Buffalo Sabres fans, to me, maybe you don't agree with this, I don't know. They seem saltier than ever before towards ownership. It may be like, Rock bottom when it comes to that. It's really, really ugly. What's your take right now on the relationship between Sabres, the ownership, and the fans? Because I see it as being really bad. Oh, yeah. It's a it's a five-alarm uh, bleep storm right now. I don't want to swear. It's it's terrible right now. And uh, just to go back to a few things you said, like, you know, and I, I'm freestyling here. The Dwayne thing, I had heard that he, they, they, decided to delete the tweet WGR before management called. Cause they knew it was going to cause a ruckus and then the Sabres called and then were pissed off on it. But they allegedly from what I've heard from the grapevine, the Sabres did not tell them to take it down. They did call to complain about it, which you can kind of put two and two together. They probably then were like, yeah, this is not good business. Anyway, I, I, I digress. Um, yeah, dude, it's, it's horrible right now. And I think, it's we're in the, the midst of like the biggest losing stretch in Sabres hockey history. I mean, it's, it's what nine years since they made the playoffs. The Pagulas have not been in charge of a franchise for the Sabres from start to finish where they made the playoffs. They took over, you know, midway through Galasano's last year there and they made the playoffs. Right. And it's been a disaster since they have not. And people are pissed off. 
you know, and I think them not going in front of the camera. And look, I've done a bit of a 180 on this with them talking in public. You know, you know I was like, whatever, he's going to you interview Terry Pagula or Kim. It's going to be a bunch of platitudes and they're awkward, especially Terry when he comes to talking, you know, so what are they going to say? But now, dude, like, you know, there are so many mishaps happening with this franchise, not even on the ice. Like I'm talking off the ice with like, you know, misspelled jerseys. We're talking about like them, you know, being pissed off about a stupid phone call caller into WGR. You know, we're talking about so many stories. I have heard copious amounts of people through DMs and, and all that sort of stuff telling me about how how just, you know, petulant they are when it comes to certain things. Like, I, I'll tell you this story. I don't care. I, I won't mention names, but there was a local brewery that used to have a tap at the, the 716 store, bar or whatever the hell that's the bar. It's the one they own. And they had about two years ago, and the guy tweeted about it who used to work there, so maybe I don't feel as bad about it. But, like, they had done some sort of rally. This was when, during when the Sabres were getting, like, you know, you can go out to StubHub and get tickets for $3 you yeah. know, or something like that. So they had some sort of promotion where, hey, come to this brewery, donate your tickets, and we'll donate, you know, we'll give you a beer. And then, like, there was, like, some sort of nuance of, like, a charity's going to get money out of it somehow. I don't know how. But anyway, it was, I remember the promotion when it happened, and guess what happened? The Sabres or the PS, you know, Pagula Sports and Entertainment pulled that draft line out of the 716 bar. Like, no, you can't have your beer here anymore because of that. Like, this, this is what they're, like, thinking of. Like, this is, it's just they're trying to control the narrative. Things set them off so easily now. And I think all of that wrapped around with, hey, they're terrible on the ice. They've had, like, since since Jack Eichel's, I looked this up the other day, since Jack Eichel's been in the league, they've had, they're in the bottom, like, they're either it's either them or Detroit that have, like, the least amount of points, the least amount of goals, the least amount of wins since he came into the league. Yeah. People are pissed. And all of that manifest like yeah if the sabers were great right now would we care about misspelled jerseys as much or would we care that they only have like they don't have four alternate jerseys like they have with vancouver or anything like that probably not as much but all of this is just kind of coming in where you're just like hey do you care about this you know do you care about what's happening and like as a hockey fan and i'm not, I'm not even a sabers fan or a hockey fan as much as i used to be you know i have the center ice package and i'm like this this these games suck and it's definitely like I'm just like kind of ambivalent about it. And I'm like, whatever. Like, I feel bad for fans. I feel bad for Dwayne, even though he sounded like a lunatic. But like, you know, I just like it's just terrible right now. You know, I'm not making fun of the Sabres fans passion. And I'm certainly not taking shots at that Dwayne guy. He seems like a, a really nice guy. And I don't think he sought out notoriety when he made that call. I think he was just a piss off fan and calling into a radio show. The only real local radio show in town and fans felt the same way he did. It was a great call, but that whole, you know, the whole hashtag we are Dwayne thing though, that, that's a bit too much. And I'm not saying he brought that upon himself. I saw Chad D. Dominicis from Die by the Blade kind of compare it to Mark Miller. And so we're clear, Mark Miller is this greedy dude who's trying to squeeze money out of his own name or Dwayne's <laughs> not doing that at all. I don't, but I don't think that was Chad's intention of w when he said that. I think his intention was more like, all right, it's just a little bit of overkill. Everything's hashtag. We are all Dwayne. No, I'm not. I'm Patrick. You're yeah, Joe. You're yeah, Joe. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I get yeah. that. Like, if you're going to become, I got a word of advice for anyone who, who like makes the rounds is like the, the fan, like darling of the minutes. Like, don't, don't do your own hashtag, please. Don't tweet it out. Don't RT everyone who gives you a compliment. 
you know, I followed Dwayne. He actually followed me before I, like, he kind of gave his, you know, me too. speech. Me too. You know, like, cool. But, but, like, you don't have to, don't, don't try to, like, you know, you can, you can, like, chill, let them come to you kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, be, be cool, man. You don't got to, like, art, art tweet it, like, your own thing, your hashtag, like, be cool. And he, he's already kind of said, like, that's not what he's trying to do. But, like, it comes off a little bit like that. And, yes, you're right. He's not even in the same realm of Mark Miller. Like, no, that guy, no, I wish no, you no, had no. me on. I wish you had me on the podcast in December when that guy came out of hiding and, and like, is yelling at the bills and yelling at people calling, you know, F telling them to F off. Like, yeah. Let, he, let me, let me tell you totally real quick. Let me thing. tell you a real quick sidebar before we get back on track with Mark Miller. I went to, I did reach out to have him on the podcast when he first resurfaced because I was pumped. I was like, all right, this is a really cool dude. This was before he started going after fans on Twitter and shit like that. He ended up having that, the bear, of course. He worked out that deal with Resurgence and he was there available for signing autographs and taking pictures and shit like that. I went with a friend of mine, Jen, down to Resurgence that day. She had our pre ordered a six pack. So we went there, picked it up and he had that look like, hey, you want a picture? You want, a, you want an autograph? I was like, nah, man, I'm good. <laughs> I'm like, I want to yeah. talk to you. I had just sent him. In fact, he had said something about being on the podcast. He re- responded, but this was in the midst of when the shit started going bad with him. So I learned yeah. about him. But yeah, Dwayne's not that kind of guy at all. And I don't think that was what Chad's intention was. It's just about overkill, which is cool. But dude, here's the thing, Joe. And I, this is what I find embarrassing. And this might be a bit of an unpopular take among Sabres fans. But I know you saw it or at least heard about it. That Sabres fan protest in front of the arena last Saturday. It was what, 15, 20 people showed up. I thought that was stupid to begin with. Poorly planned, poorly executed, very rightfully easily ridiculed. Like my take, dude, is if you're that frustrated with the Pagulas and the organization, stop buying tickets, stop buying team merch, stop going into the Sabre store and spending your money there. Stop showing up to games. Stop buying food and drinks at the concession stands. That's how shit will get done. Whatever, you know, whatever it is you're looking for. If you think that Terry Bagula gives a shit about a handful of fans that have signs in front of the arena on a Saturday morning, you know, I got an island to sell you. Am I right? Am I wrong? Do you think this is being handled kind of ridiculously? I know Buffalo sports fans like to make their voices heard, and that's cool. But the protests, I mean, come on. I just like I just like to let you know you said the word shit five times in that whole sequence. Okay, shit's you know. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. That's, I guess, okay. We have to, we should just name this the shit in with Joe <laughs> instead of the run in. So for everyone, at least... regular listeners, sometimes, you know, me and Joe tend to throw some F bombs and stuff around before we started taping. I said, I had the lovely Ashley Rowe on here. She's not that kind of guest. I don't want it to be this kind of episode. So I told him mm-hmm. to back off with the swear word yet. Here I yeah. am letting him fly. Yeah. He's only, he's only said the word shit six times. Now this is eight times in total. <laughs> um, you know, I didn't really keep up with that fan protest. I actually didn't know it was happening until after the fact. Uh, yeah, he's not gonna. He's. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't think he's gonna care. But you, you, the whole sentiment is you're correct. Like, if you want to hurt them, stop going to games. Which people are not going to games anymore. Like that place is an empty. Is empty right now. And I think the only people who have tickets right now, it feels like, are scalpers who are trying to unload those things for like four or five bucks online. You know. And yeah. I think here's the thing. I mean, there's so many different angles when it comes to like if the Pagulas care or not. And, and, and all that sort of stuff. I, I'll just say this. I think they definitely do care. I think the sentiment of, like, they care more about the Bills and they cool, they care about the Sabres. I don't particularly buy that. Like, Me neither. Do I, think, do I think they like they are, like, they like, like, being around that team more? Yeah, they're winning. I mean, if you're around someone who's a winner and, 
you know, you got if you got a kid that's like, you know, successful going to Ivy League schools and, you know, you're going to be like, you're going to boast about him a hell of a lot more than, you know, boast about, you know, the, the, the high school dropout in the other room. You know what I mean? So I think that, but that's different than like them not caring. You still care about that high school dropout. I think they still care about that. The difference, the, the issue is, is that, and I said this once on a thread a while ago, that, you know, with the NFL, with the Bills, there's so many events that the NFL like promotes their owners are always there. Like NFL owner meetings. Like we're going to have all the media there, the combine. Oh, like, you know, we saw Terry Pagula at the combine, you know, and he left. Like you don't hear any of that sort of stuff with the NHL. Cause it's so primitive. Like no one cares about the NHL really outside of like a few markets in the U S and the Canadian team. So everything gets kind of accentuated a bit when it comes to like what the, what the bills and the NFL does. So it makes it look like, Oh yeah, the Pagulas definitely care more about them because they're, they're at the games. Now, again, they're at 16 home games. Like it's, it's not 82 games like with the with the uh, Sabers. But you know, I digress in terms of that. I think look, they just need to come out and talk. And, like in terms of answering, just saying, hey, this is unacceptable. It's also they need to they need to hire someone like what they had with Ted Black, who was like the the guy who come came in and he addressed fan yep. fan issues, displeasure, all that sort of yep. stuff. He was great at that. Very. I enjoyed him. He was cool with us, like yeah. as bloggers. Very you much. Know, he invited us. To, the Sabres haven't done any of that at all. There has not been a blogger summon in the God knows, like six years. I don't even know if there are Sabres blogs anymore, to be honest with you. But like they have totally turned, a, you know, turned the cheek on that. And Kim Pagula, look, you're the president of this organization now. You have a PR background. You could talk. Like I understand Terry a bit because he's kind of like aloof and he doesn't really speak well in public. But like you speak well in public, everyone knows you're kind. You're very much involved. I mean, any, anyone who has like an open DM or has talked to people within the within the the media outlets knows that she's involved. Like you know, she's not going down there and just you know, in in you know, it's just like, oh hey, how's it going? Here's some cookies or whatever. Like she bakes players cookies sometimes. But like she's involved, and like you could talk, and she's well spoken. You know, like and like she just they just need to just their PR tactics these days are just so bad right now, and I think people just. Want to hear it? And it doesn't help that you know Jason Botterell is like the most boring public speaker ever. He makes Darcy Regeer look like Tim Murray, you know, when it comes to talking in public. And yeah. whenever Botterell's talking, you're like, oh my god, this guy has no passion. He's boring. And I'm not saying like you know I need a, a fire and brimstone kind of guy to be your spokesperson, I guess. But like no one there is like is just just completely like monotone, and you just don't feel anything from them at all like it's like i don't even care like if ted you get someone like ted black who's like you know angry and kind of is like showing that they they care or anything like that but it's a complete mess with the sabers right now from top to bottom i've heard like things about how within their organization like they merged departments together with the bills and sabers and i think that's you're, you're seeing that with like you know people are complaining about the 50th anniversary celebration you know and how maybe like the team is marketed and i think They've consolidated those departments. And when you're in a, uh, and that's, they do that because it's cheaper. Like, oh, hey, you're the marketing person. You're going to do the bills and the sabers. You're going to, you're, you're the TV producer. You're the shooter. You're going to do the bills and the sabers. It makes it cheaper, right? By doing that, you're killing off ideas. So you may have an idea for a certain player. Let's say you have an idea for Jack Eichel for like some sort of promotional thing. But then you, someone maybe vetoes you and goes, no, you know what? Let's do that for Josh Allen instead. I don't think it's an accident. And I could be completely wrong, and I have no inside info on this, but 
the Bills had their 60th anniversary this year. And teams like the Raiders and the Chiefs, who had the same anniversary, AFL teams, they celebrated that, like with like having like kind of like a, you know, like a uh, anniversary t- team comes in or like different uniforms for the 60th anniversary. They did nothing with that with the Bills. And I wonder if the reason why they did that was, oh, hey, you know, we got the Sabres 50th anniversary. Too many, too many cooks. We, we don't have enough cooks in the kitchen to like do this sort of stuff. I'm just freestyling that's that point out there because that's what's happening right now. That's why you've seen, I think, a lot of things like misspelled jerseys or, you know, they just had Ryan Miller in town, you know, this week and the 90s night was five days later. Like, why wouldn't you have 90s night or not 90s night, excuse me, 2000s night the same day you had Ryan Miller here before? Like, it would make, hello, like, it would make sense. He's like, he's definitely in the top four popular players of the 2000s. These things are like things that just fall out of place because you're spread thin. And that's why I think what's happening right now. I do know for a fact that the whole thing is like, it's a conglomerate where it's, they have merged the departments for both teams together. You may have like a one-off or one guy's maybe concentrating on the Bills or Sabres, but I think it's one of those things where people are spread very thin right now, especially with the Sabres, and they may just sit there on a, on a level of marketing and promotions and say, you know what? I think the Bills is where we need to concentrate on. We need to put more people on that side because – that's where more of the money is, the popularity is, and that's where you get people on on Sabres Twitter who are like, what the hell? You guys don't care about us. you know. And that's what you're having right now. Well, I'll tell you what, and I agree with a lot of what you said. I think when it comes to the Sabres, and let me preface this too, Sabres fans are pissed off and they have every right to be. I'm not ridiculing them. I'm not making fun of them. I just had a problem with the protest because I just thought that was really poorly executed and that's not the way you get shit done man what did you start it you should have you should have had because nah, i think it was a dumb idea just like i think buffalo sports fans need to let these teams know how passionate they are they already know you don't need to go to the airport following a bill's loss at midnight to go greet the players <laughs> that's stupid i'm sorry uh, i get it no, in a way I, I get it i promise you bill's players the organization already knows how much fans love them diddle with the sabers i agree with you 100 you say what you want about terry Bagul, and he's got a lot of flaws but saying he doesn't care about the Sabres, that's not true whatsoever. He very, very much cares about the Sabres. In fact, more than anything else, he's a fan. I think at the end of the day, there's three things that are really inciting the fans. And again, I totally agree and understand all these. Number one, and you just talked about this at length, there needs to be a face of the organization. It's not Kim Bagula's president. She's not talking a Ted Black type. I agree with you. I could not agree with you more. Somebody who will talk to the media on a regular basis and doesn't even necessarily have to be just about the on-ice product. Things going on in the organization, the alumni events, things like that. They need a face of the organization, so they do need to hire someone. Number two, a lot of people are pissed off because you did tank. And I don't want, we could have a whole episode about the tank. We've already done it. We'll probably do it again at some point. But the point is, is Jack Eichel is a career. I mean, he's having a career year. He's having an MVP caliber season. He's been everything that you hoped for when you were tanking to get him. Well, if you couldn't get McDavid and it doesn't mean anything, they're in no better position now than they were when he was a rookie. So the roster sucks, and that pisses off a lot of fans. And then last thing is Jason Bottrell. Look, I liked him when they got hired, but sometimes you just got to say, you know what? It didn't work out, and this guy's not the right person for the job. You take Jeff Skinner as just the latest example. $9 million a year for a dude who ain't playing on the top line. As we tape this, because we're taping this before Thursday night's game, he might have a hatchet for all we know. But as of right now, 19 games without a goal. That's crazy. Just two assists in 19 games. That's like, that's Rob Ray stats, dude. That deal started to look worse and worse and worse and worse. 
And then you got trading Ryan O'Reilly, of course. Everyone already knows about that. That's all Jason Bottrell. And then from what I'm reading and, and hearing and stuff like that, this Casey Middlestad, who was Jason Bottrell's draft pick, he doesn't even look good in Rochester. You add all that up, dude. That's a GM who ain't getting the job done. The roster sucks. You got a franchise center, a great young franchise defenseman. They're not getting it done. He's got to go, in my opinion. Look at you with the hot hockey takes, Pat. Really? Here I thought. Here I thought all you knew was you know football, wings, and music. And now you, you no, you're you're right a lot about a lot of things with that. The Skinner thing is interesting because you know he's the big thing is he's not playing with Eichel right now. That's why his numbers have dipped. I understand that. Yes, playing with. Johansson as a center who's not really a center it does not help matters at all. It decreases matters. But, you know, Skinner did very well in Carolina for years and he did not have Jack Eichel he was playing with. But I'm not it sucks that he's struggling right now, but I still feel he's he's going to eventually figure this out. You know what I mean? Like he's just he's just too talented of a player. Like, God help us if he's like Drew Stafford. I think, or Matt I think you're right. I think you're right about that. But why do you pay a guy nine million dollars to be a third line right winger? I just don't well, get it. Well, well, because because Kruger and I understand his point. He wants to spread the lines because last year they had all their big guns on the first line, and then after that was crap. No, you it's know, crap and that's what now. he's trying. Yeah, it's crap. Nah, you're right. It, have, it a be, have a better Skinner. roster. That's on the GM. Again, yeah. get a, get more no, talent. Exactly. Hey, look, I'm I'm definitely on team like get that get Bottle out of here. Like he's had three years to do this, and the team has gotten worse. It's worse under him than it was under Tim Murray. There's no denying that he's had three years of this, and nothing is getting better. Like the what, what's gotten better? Like since the last, since the, since the Tim Murray era, Bill like, Housley was line, a terrible hire too. He was in over yeah, his head. Housley was bad, but the only thing they they got a little bit better at is like their blue lines. Their blue lines better, but then they screw that up because they signed like ten blue ten defensemen, and like they can't figure out who should start. And then the the O'Reilly trade, the O'Reilly trade just that just destroyed everything. That was. That was just that just killed the you you got rid of him and then you did not replace him with an, uh, with an adequate number two center or even a number three center with it like the one guy went a wall and went to freaking Sweden Saboka's hurt and he's terrible when he plays and the two other guys in Tage Thompson's in Rochester right now it's it's just a, it's a disaster and it's culminated with how bad he is as a GM you know I don't really know a bunch about Ralph Kruger I don't have really too many hot takes about him like he's, me neither. He's articulate and he talks about culture. You know, a few people on Twitter have said like he's like the soccer version of Ted Nolan because, and he kind of is like he just kind of talks about you know culture and doing your best. And he'll he'll come with a good quote here and there, but like I don't know if he's smart or not. He's his resumes honestly paper thin to me. You know, I I don't know why they hired him. I mean, it felt like from what I heard they they wanted the guy I forgot the, the McClellan guy who went to. Uh, LA is who they wanted yeah. and he ended up not going there. And then so like bottle was scrambling and freaking found this guy. So yeah, dude, it's a, it's a, it's an epic disaster. And I think it's, it's going to get worse. And they have a, they have a decision to make, man, because if they, if they fire him, man, that's what the, the fourth GM they fired or third GM, excuse me, since they took over the teams, you know, seven years ago, along with a bunch of other people, they fired like, you know, the Ted black, they fired, you know, Ted black, they fired, Freaking VPs they fired. They fired some Russ Brandon. You know, the only guy that they fired that was, that was, they, that deserved to go. They probably didn't want to fire him either. But like, they even fired so many people involved in the hockey side. I think there's a part of them that's embarrassed if they have to fire Botterill. And maybe it's to the point to like, damn, we gotta, we gotta waste more money 
you know, and, and there, there are definitely certain media folks, which I'm sure we're going to get into in a little bit, that are definitely trying to pump up the whole continuity thing. Like, we got to keep Botterill here and Kruger because of continuity. And it's like, dude, if you if you're terrible at this job, like you got to go, you don't, you don't keep the guy around for another six years to see if he figures it out or not. You got to let him go. I mean, we're talking about Skitter having to play on a second line because you don't want, you know, you want to try to spread the wealth, whatever have you. Well, guess what? Don't trade for Jimmy VC. Who's a bust. Don't trade for Connor Sherry who plays good for three games and then does nothing for 20 games. Frolic. I mean, Erod tried to, he said he didn't want to be here and yet he's still playing every day. Got Larson, Akposo, Gergensons, of course, Scott Wilson. I mean, I could keep going for days. This is just a poorly constructed roster and it sucks to have some top end talent like Eichel and Reinhardt and Rasmus Dahlin just being wasted. I agree. You don't want to have to get rid of the GM and, and have yet another new one come in. But when the guy's performing like this, and again, I keep going back to Middlestat. It doesn't seem like Casey Middlestat's like on the verge of becoming a really good NHL player either. From what I'm reading, he's barely doing well in the AHL. So, at my, end, go ahead. My, I'm sorry. My prediction is this. I think they're going to bring in a hockey operations guy. Like They're going to find some recycled GM or president from like, whatever the name of team that's won the Stanley cup in the last 15 years. And they're going to bring this guy in and it's going to be kind of like, you know, I don't want to say lipsticks on a pig. That sounds very harsh, but like they're going to put him above Botterill and they're going to have him be kind of like the, the, what Pat LaFontaine was supposed to be. You know what I mean? Like he's going to oversee the GM and then, and then, the, and then he's going to make the call on Botterill. I bet that's what I think they're going to do. Cause maybe they'll give Botterill another year, but they'll mix it up PR wise with, Hey, here's this new guy that he won three Stanley Cups as the as the assistant GM, you know, for the Blackhawks or whatever. Like he maybe he got fired and he's a recycled guy. That's what I think, you know, they're gonna do. But it's a disaster there. Epic proportions. It's a it's a real shame that it's not even well, it is actually people will be listening to this on Valentine's Day, and we're already talking about firings and offseason. There's no we haven't said one word about an upcoming opponent, a game, because it just doesn't mean anything. But anyway, well, We'll leave that for there right now. And I'm also going to skip over Bill's stuff. There's no real news to talk about. Star Lodelay took a restructured contract. They're going to save some money this year. The only thing that means is that he's going to be here. Whereas maybe if that didn't happen, come August over the summer, he would have been one of those names tossed out as a potential, you know, roster cut in part because of his salary. But clearly that's not going to happen now. Instead of, there are a couple things I want to hit on before we get out of here. One of them, I know you're a fan of this local media and media crime. Make it a comeback. That's mine. That, that is my that's trademark. Your thing. That that's is mine. your thing. That's, that's your, my thing. That is your Twitter mine. thing. John Worrell from the Associated Press, a guy that I really don't like whatsoever. And I'm just going to put that out there. And you know me, dude. I don't say shit about people from you the media everyone. on the podcast. No, no. I, I, I show love for everybody on this podcast or on Twitter because I know it's not worth it. This podcast has a lot of local media. He's a jerk, though. He really is. Anyway. The whole Sabres tank thing. He keeps going after WGR. I, I just, whatever. I, I'm, I'm trying to contain myself right now. I just don't like that guy. I think he's a bad person. I don't care how long he's been in the game for. I respect him as a writer, although anyone in the nah. Associated, he's replaceable. He's a reporter. God damn. I can read 20 Sabre recaps from 20 different websites, and I'm good. Oh, damn. Damn. Wow. <laughs> That's a shoot promo. That's a Paul Heyman shoot promo it there. Is. Uh, yeah, if you follow me on Twitter, you know, I'm not a big fan of Waro. He actually blocked me back in like November or October. I didn't make a big spectacle of it. He like, de- he messaged me at three in the morning again at one, at one point. Cause I made a joke about media, media crime and surely drunk. And we got, 
yes, he was drunk probably, and we got him into a fight, and I definitely threw a, a, a couple of insults at his way, and he blocked. But then he unblocked me, so I appreciate that because I definitely, I definitely like to check in to see who he's yelling about uh, on Twitter. But yeah, you know, he's just, you know, he's 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 one of those guys that just they cannot get over like WGR and the tank, and like you know, again, look, I. GR people have gaslit the whole tank a bit since it happened because they had this whole it's going to change everything and we're going to be contenders right away and then they didn't mention the GM at all and I remember those tweets I definitely got into you know I was for the tank but I definitely knew there was a big part that had to come later but it was five years ago dude like give it a rest and like the thing with war what he's doing is he keeps trying to bring the tank up that the tank's affecting the team right now. And it's like, you know, with fans booing and, and like, it's like, dude, there's like four players left on this roster from that tank team. And like Jack Eichel and Sam Reinhardt are, are, are the only players on this team right now worth a damn. They're playing really well. And I don't think there was some sort of bad influence from the tank when they got drafted here after the fact, it was just, you had a really terrible GM, which, a lot of us who did like the tank talked about it. You know, like, hey, the GM has to know what the hell he's doing, and Tim Murray really didn't. And right now, Jason Bottle doesn't look like he knows what he's doing either. But all of his rants about the tank, he's just he's just spiteful because he's pissed off. He doesn't like GR. He'll say he doesn't want to go on GR to, to do any radio spots. I've heard from multiple GR people that they don't even want him on there at all. They don't ask him to be on. And I, am, I can't re- even tell you half the things I've heard from tons of media people about him that'll be stay off oh, the record. Oh, yeah. I, there's one guy, like, you know, when I subtweet media people or tweet about media people, you can get, I get droves of DMs from every different type of media person about Waro, like everyone. And, you know, I've, I'm trying to be a little bit nicer to him, uh, you know, here and there, not as much, but yeah, he's just, he's just upset about it and he's just salty and he just, he just comes off as a, a belligerent buffoon on Twitter. I don't even know how someone can work for, the Associated Press and get away with what he tweets to people and like what when he tweets to people at three in the morning. Like if I if I did that, can you imagine being a writer for like a website or a, in your job? Maybe a part of your job is to be on social media and you're you're adding people like at three in the morning and come on, you're you're a part of the Associated Press, a dying entity in the print world, and you know you need as many readers as possible and you're just alienating them by just being just a dick online. And he's he is he's a he's. He's a dick. He's abrasive. He well, just he he moves the goalposts every time you have any sort of argument. I always I always consider him like it's like the Michael Myers Dr. Loomis thing, where like Dr. Loomis for the first ten years when Michael Myers was in like a, a penitentiary was like trying to reach him, and that's what I did. Like at first I was trying to reach him and trying to understand what the hell he was going through and give him my point of view, and he just didn't hear it. He would move the goalposts, and then it's like the last ten years. I'm just like this guy's an idiot. He needs to go away and you know, Mazel Tov to him, but like, he's, he's crazy. I got nothing to gain by bad mouthing media people, especially on this podcast. I love having media people on this podcast. I'm always promoting them. I'm, I'm nice to people because again, I got nothing to gain, but somebody like him, again, that Joe DiBiase tweet, I'm looking right now It eight hour, nine hours later, jo- Joe's tweet was about football. John says, and I'm going to quote it right. And then I want to move on after this, but I want people who are listening to understand And let me preface this again. I am not taking away his credentials as a writer. He's a longtime reporter. He's he's broken some news. He's a good writer. Okay, so I'm not saying that. I'm talking about just the kind of person that this guy is. He goes, from the station that brought you the tank, 
super secret saber source. He's talking about Jeremy White there and mm-hmm. Dwayne, but then not Dwayne, then Dwayne providing his followers more long-term visions of successful team building. It's just why, why, why at two 38 in the morning, that was at two 38 AM, by the way, that response to yeah. Joe who tweeted nine hours before that. I'm just over it. I'm done. I'm done with people like that. Don't, don't he care. was, he, he tweeted at me last week. Cause he was yelling about the tank. Uh, I forgot what the hell he was yelling about. He was, it was what I just went into. Like he was just blaming the tank for the current product. Like people don't want to sign here because of the tank. And it's like, dude, like just Skinner waved there's no trade clause to come here and sign like a nine year, ex, you know, a $9 million, you know, a year extension. Ryan O'Reilly signed an extension here when you traded for him. There's been a lot of players. Kyle Poso. I know he sucks now, but like when he was, a, he was a free agent, he was like the second best free agent out there. And he signed here. Okay, and this all happened after the tank. So they sit there and go, oh, yeah, the tank is like a detriment, you know, a detriment to the recruiting efforts. Like, come on. There's substantial evidence that they've paid guys that have come here who had a good resume. They just happened to, when they got here, they weren't very good in some cases or whatever the case may be. But he, he just wants to keep hammering that. I'll say, I'll say this. You know, he's, to me, John is a bit, he's a hypocrite. And I don't, you know, and I can just say this, like he's so anti-tank, wants to yell about everyone about the tank. He interviewed the Pagulas last year around June. And it was, he, he was, he was what he always does. He brags about getting exclusives and usually his, his exclusives are pretty lame, but like he had it in the, in, in this interview with the Pagulas where Terry Pagula was like, that wasn't a tank. That was a rebuild. What are you talking like? Pretty much incredulous about that. I bet dollars to donuts. Do you, do you think John like went to him and goes, "Hey, dude, I don't think it is." Like, look at these instances. Or like, question that. How can you say that's a rebuild and not a tank? No, he did it because he wants to kiss their ass and he wants to get exclusives. And instead, he just goes on Twitter and just yells about WGR and he yells about us, you know, feeble-minded fans or whatever. He's like a, the biggest straw man arguer in the world and. I don't even know why I waste my time. I hate talking about him. Like I tried not to talk about him anymore because I know he loves that shit. He craves it. He wants people to talk about him because he thinks it's good for his, his brand. And it's not, I don't, well, I can't remember an astute thing he's ever said, honestly, on Twitter or any of his articles. Well, I feel bad wasting time too talking about him. I'll say this though. I hear a lot of people say, well, Mike Harrington is just as bad. Let me tell you something. Mike Harrington, love him or hate him. I love Mike. I've, I've have a relationship with Mike. If nothing else, at least Mike's personable. I know that for a fact because I've hung out with him. John Worrell, going back to the days, pre-podcast, pre-Twitter, I used to write for some local rag magazines. And my problem with John is not his hockey takes, by the way. I don't care if he likes a tank or not. He's entitled to that. And he very well may be right, whatever his hockey take is. It's the way he treats other people. It's the way he tweets at other people. It's the way he talks to other people. I used to go to press conferences back in the day, whether it was UB or Sabre, stuff like that. Again, working with these little rag magazines. And a lot of these mainstream guys were perfectly cool to everybody. But John Worrell was surly to people like me. Oh, you're just, uh, you know, you're working for some little rag. I'm the one who's going to ask the questions here, not you. That's always been his attitude. Mm-hmm. Just, don't, I just don't like the guy, man. And again, he pissed me off and, I, and I've had enough. So for the first time in 195 episodes, I'm flat out calling someone's ass out on this podcast. I don't care. Wow, dude, I'm impressed with you. Look at you with the with the balls here. Well, I don't care. I don't care. One yeah. more, one no, more, one yeah, more media thing too. I got one more media. You said thing. is true. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. And one go more ahead. media thing for you too, man. Sure. Our buddy Sully, Jerry Sullivan. I don't want to get Your in buddy. the. Co- I don't want to. He is my buddy. I, I love. I love Sully. Not my buddy. Your well, buddy. He's, yeah, no, he, okay. well, he is my buddy. His time on the radio, twelve seventy to fan, came to an end last week. I don't want to talk about why. We've already done that. We already know. 
1270 the fans never going to compete with WGR the way things stand right now. That's a, a pointless, fruitless conversation. But the news is, is he's immediately coming right back with the podcast. I got to say this, and I'm trust me, nobody will be rooting for him harder than me. I, I reached out to him and I said, if you need help with anything, I know he's doing a podcast, any production, any this, that, I'd be more than happy to give you some insight and do anything I can to help you. He, he, it starts now. Actually, it's out now. But come next month, it's actually one of those subscription-based podcasts. I don't know, man. That's tough. Getting people to pay for a podcast is tough. I mean, I'm rooting for him, but it's tough. Yeah. Uh, going quickly, I'm, I'm going to bring Sully into this. Part of the reason why I think Warrow has been extra angry the last week is because his boy's radio show doesn't exist anymore. Because that was the one radio show he can go on and yell about the Sabres and the tank and all those people. But uh, I digress. Yeah, dude, a, a paid st- streaming site for podcasts. It's, it's like, good luck. Like if you're, if your last thing that you had was a radio station and you got, and it got canceled because of like, you you couldn't get enough sponsorships or you didn't have enough listeners. Like then you're going to go, you're going to branch out into like, you're going to pay to hear him. That's just, it's not going to work. And you know, I've seen the site that he's on. It's, it's, we talked about this before when he was on the Maven with him and Bucky and how just garbage the site just looked like really primitive and like straight out of like AOL, like instant chat from like 2003 or whatever you want to call it. That's what it looks like right now. Like you need to, you need to have like a bit of a presentation. You need to maybe like go dark for like a month and really devise a plan of what I'm going to do instead of just going on and just posting a bunch of random takes every other day. It's just, it's, you just got to plan it out. And I think Sully has not, he and Bucky, even when they took those buyouts, they really didn't plan it out as well as they should have. And I'm not going to sit here and go, well, here, my plan would be a lot better you know, the Nairs or whatever the case may be. But like, since that whole thing's happened, like he, he is not, it's, it's been pretty dicey. I mean, he's had two, he's had two ventures that have pretty much failed and he can blame it on the salespeople or the Maven people. And there's certainly validity to that, but it looks bad. And for, you know, to do a pay streaming thing and it's just, it's not going to work. There's everyone in their mother has a podcast. You know what I mean? And Sully's not a podcaster, really. He's a writer. You know, and that's, I think sometimes it's fine to branch out into little different things, but, you know, maybe just kind of concentrate on what you do, you know, what you've done best in terms of have a resume for, and that's writing. Getting people to pay money to listen to a podcast is not going to, it's not going to work. I'm just going to say that right now. There's too many options out there. And I know Sully's opinions and his takes are different than most. I'll probably do it because I, that's just what I do. I support local media well he's been on my podcast so so i'm just saying but there's gonna be there's not i can't see more than a very small amount of people paying not just sully by the way it could be me it could be sale capaccio sale has sale sports i love his show i don't think people are gonna pay to listen to that i think sale knows that too i don't think people are gonna pay to listen to the tim graham show i don't think people well people do pay to listen to the bill's beat but that's there's a lot more than just the bill's beat that's just part of an umbrella with the athletic i just don't think that's gonna work you need to go out and get yourself a couple sponsors, make it worth your time financially, but going out it's and, and getting people to pay. No. Yeah, it's just bad right now. Like, I, I kind of, sometimes I give them shit, you know, when it comes to, like, what they, all of their takes. Like, it's not a good time to be, really, in the sports media business on a local level. Like, I'm that right now. You know, there's no money. There's not much money to be made, so he's probably, like, trying to get that, like, oh, I'm just going to make money, try to make money right away instead of, like, calling and begging for sponsors. And, you know, it's tough to do that. And it's, it's just, uh, like, yeah, he just, I think he just needs to 
to, to kind of, you know, I, I wonder like just how much, cause he tries to pattern himself as like the guy who knows a lot about, about different sports. Like he, he can, he has to take on college basketball, baseball. He does. Like he's kind of good. I, I'm not going to say I, I agree with any of them. I, I don't follow as many sports as he does, but I just wonder locally, do people really care if he's talking about baseball or if he's talking about the NBA or if he's talking about, it's like, do people really respect that opinion? And are they like, Oh yeah, I can't wait till Sully talks about the Red Sox or whatever. Or, are they like, yeah, whatever, dude. Like, I'll get my Boston Red Sox take from, like, someone at ESPN, or I'll go to the Bob Ryan in, in Boston and hear his take on the, on the Red Sox. You know what I mean? And he tries to do that a lot. So, look, I, 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 I've never uh, never really agreed with any of him. I sometimes think he's kind of a – he uses a lot of straw man arguments a lot. But I I don't know. He's it's, This is not, like, as you, as you said. He, it doesn't feel like a well-thought-out plan. And, you know, maybe he'll get some sponsors or that's what I would do. Like you said, and you're right. Like having a play-by-play person to kind of kick him stats stuff would be good. He had the the producer, Bobby Rosati, who ran the 1270 Twitter handle, which was horrible and blocked me. I don't even, even though I never tweeted that tweeted at them in my life. And yeah, it's a little sour grapes for me (laughs) a little bit, but like, you know, he was not very good when the, the few times I heard him and like, he just was there as, with stupid sound effects. And it was just like, dude, this, this, and he couldn't, you know, one thing, if you're, if you're starting your own little thing, like your own brand, I'm not saying you got to agree with everyone. Like you can have, you can have like discourse is fine, but when you're blocking people and like on that, and I'm going back to when he was on 1270, but if you're a Twitter handle, who's blocking people. And I've had a bunch of people who told me via DM or anything like, Oh yeah, they, they go on a blocking spree for anything as innocuous. And I, I had heard that they were tweeting out stuff about Trump and like positive stuff about Trump. And it's like, dude, you, you, you shouldn't be a ra- You shouldn't be a sports radio station and, and tweeting out about Trump or politics. It has nothing to do with you. You know what I mean? And he would block and the guy was blocking. And I'm pretty sure it was Bobby who was running that whole, the whole social media. But you know, if you got this whole conglomerate, you're trying to build up and you're just going to block listeners you know, or people just, you know, that's not, that's not how you, you build your brand, you know, like take, get some, you know, get thicker skin, you know, don't call people a troll because they disagree with you and you're just going to block them out of spite. Well, I'll tell you what I, like I said, I will be rooting for Sully and maybe he'll make some adjustments. Maybe he'll prove me wrong. I hope he does. I hope it's successful. Anyway, this has been, we'll talk wrestling next time. I, we were going to talk that, but I'm just, yeah, I'm going to yeah, leave that. I'm going to wrestling all the time. I'll, I'll, yeah, exactly. There's plenty of time for WrestleMania. Yeah. So we'll hit on that next time. Well, well, this has been a salty segment today, man. I kind of yeah. You're gonna. I feel like you're gonna have like gonna have remorse afterwards. You're gonna no, I'm not. You're gonna cut down. Absolutely not. not. Everything I said Dude, about John Moral. You and I are gonna get. We're gonna get tweets at four in the morning from Rock and War. I don't care. Yell at us. I meant and what I said about the Sabers. Where we work and call them and say like, oh, they need to get rid of him. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> I don't look. I I I blasted the Sabers and I blasted John Worrell, and they both deserve it. So I'm just gonna leave it there. Anyway, I don't know if there's anything else that you could possibly have a a finisher on this week. Could take no, you got anyone? I mean, I I hate having finishers. I I, I may even like d- decide to just find a new thing to yell about, or I don't know. We we need to repackage the finisher. I I just I don't have enough. I just don't have enough juice to talk about something in just this over the top hot take universe i, I don't have I, this, whole, this whole podcast has been a hot take all right let's put a wrap on this that is gonna do it for today's episode thank you very much again ashley Rowe, channel seven 
great guest. I really like her a lot. Ashley's really cool. So thank you very much, Ashley. Thanks as well to my man, Joe. The Running With Joe. That was a good segment, man. We really got after it today. That was fun. Want to let you know, coming up on next Tuesday's episode, actually, that's the two-year anniversary episode of this podcast. Two years, man. Wow. Chris Parker, the Bulldog from WGR 550. He's going to be my guest. I'm very much looking forward to chatting with him. So before I get up out of here, I want to ask that if you have not yet done so already, please go ahead, subscribe to this podcast, subscribe, rate and review, all that fun stuff. It really, really helps me continue to grow this podcast. You can subscribe, listen on Apple, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, pretty much everywhere future award-winning podcasts are found. Also, go hit up the Moranalytics Podcast YouTube channel. I got podcast highlight clips from current and past shows up there. Some original audio content as well. Stuff that's exclusive to that channel, by the way. Not going to hear it anywhere else, including this podcast. Then last but not least, don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at Pat Moran Tweets. I'm constantly tweeting out podcast updates, upcoming guests, polls, prize pack giveaways from time to time, thoughts, banning with other sports fans. I mean, that's where I'm parked. I'm always on Twitter, at Pat Moran Tweets. Thanks again so much for listening. I say it all the time, and I really, truly mean it. I appreciate each and every single person out there, whether you love the podcast or whether you hate it, you're taking time from your day to give me a listen when there's like a gazillion other podcasts out there. Can't tell you how much that means to me. Very humble, very grateful. So thank you very much. Have a good one, and I'll be back. New episode real soon. I'll catch you on the flippity flip. Bye.